0: Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Our guest today is GP Dr. Nick Tellis. He chats with Simone about healthy alcohol consumption, holistic health, and the challenges of working in the health sector during a pandemic.
1: Today, I'm joined by Dr. Nick from Partridge GP. Nick, thanks for joining us today. No worries. Uh, Perhaps we can start with uh, the Cliff Notes version of who you are, what you're all about, and how you ended up here.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Nick. I'm sure that's not trademarked. I am a doctor. I studied in Adelaide. I went over to Western Australia, did a little bit of work there, came back, did a bit of everything. That bit of everything brought me to starting my own practice seven years ago now. And as part of becoming a business owner as well as a doctor, that brought me to BNI, and that has brought me in connection with Simone, and here we are.
1: We've got to love networking, really. For Indeed. sure. So, uh, in your areas of practice, um, what's been the most interesting thing that you've got to do as a general practitioner?
0: Wow. Well, before I was a GP, mm-hmm. I did trackside doctor for the Clipsal 500. Ah. I did. Some prison medicine, some yeah. work with the remand centre, a little bit of ICU work,
1: okay,
0: a couple of years of emergency work, visiting medical officer for boxing SA. Wow, little bits and pieces. All of those things have sort of got me to where I am yeah. today
1: and shaped your approach to medicine over time. I would indeed. Have thought indeed, yeah, cool. What do you think is the biggest challenge um, to gps as a whole when it comes to telling their
0: stories well i i would probably say that gps are a very disparate group Mm -hmm. a bit like herding cats i think every gp is slightly different it's one of the things i think that gets people into the the gig is they they like autonomy and general practitioner the name gives it away there's a lot of general in there so Mm. One practitioner's general practice can be very, very different to another practitioner's general practice. But I think the commonalities are you're a doctor, mm-hmm. you're there to help, yep. communication is paramount, and continuity of care, longitudinal care, looking after someone through their lifetime. Yeah. Not like a hospital where you go to a hospital, you know, there's lots of fancy machines, mm-hmm. lots of intervention. You, you mainly you shut up and get what you're given, but people go to a hospital. They go back to the community. That's where they come from. That's hopefully where they're going, and that's where the GPs are. So yeah, yeah.
1: well, that makes sense. I think um, it raises that interesting point too, because GPs will often deal with all the generations of a family mm, as well, mm. and so you know, from that um, in depth understanding of medical history across generations, is pretty fascinating stuff. I would have thought
0: it's uh. It would be lovely if the the CRM software Could sort of married up with the EMR, the electronic medical record. Ah. I used to work in the, in the country, yeah. and we had a, an electronic medical record system. And when you went over the road to the local pub, over the door of the pub was the 100 Club of mm-hmm. the pub. So all the people who'd, who'd smashed down 100 schooners oh, or pints yeah. over the course of their time at the pub. And I always thought it would be a fantastic thing if I could get that 100 board and import it into my medical software yeah. because I suspected being on that board was a risk factor for pretty much everything you'd care to name.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I shouldn't say
0: that to a pub owner,
1: should No, I? no. Well, look, I think it's everything in moderation because funnily enough, you know, when we took over the, um, the Duke of Brunswick three years ago, one of the things that I was very passionate about, it's not a popular standpoint for a public and Um, in the city is I, we ripped out all the gambling. So I'm very like anti, um, gambling. I'm reasonably well known for that. I don't like what it does to people. And Mm. I also think that it detracts from like in, in a hotel setting, it detracts from actually being social. So if you're sat there staring at a screen, you've got a keynote ticket in your hand or a TAV ticket where you're putting money into a poker machine, you're not relating to the people around you. You're actually putting barriers in the way. Um, and likewise, you need to have some moderation with, you know, your alcohol intake. One of the things that I love most about um, the Duke of Brunswick is that we got to break all the rules mm. about what a pub's meant to be. So, you know, if... Um, I had told somebody, in fact, when I worked for um, a very large hotel chain that she'll remain nam- nameless because I have very deep pockets. Um, but, you know, I wanted to send the hotel that I was working for, I wanted the menu to be 100% gluten-free back then, and that mm-hmm. would have been before my 13-year-old was born, so 13 years ago. Um, and was told that I was mad, that couldn't do it, that it was ridiculous, you know, all these things. And because it was a big company, there was a state manager above me that went, no. So I went, okay, fair enough. Um, and then when I found this pub by accident, I was like, okay, well, you know, eventually we're like, well, let's just go hundred percent gluten free. Cause mostly so that I could eat whatever mm-hmm. was in the kitchen. Um, and the beauty of that was it turned out that, you know, there was this complete untapped market of the families of celiacs who just wanted to go out and enjoy a family dinner where they could pick off each other's plates especially kids, um, without the fear and the stress and having successfully glutened myself once or twice when I thought I would be okay. I totally, it's not a very pleasant experience. No, it wouldn't be. No. So, um, but it's also that thing of um, by creating that kind of family community environment, we don't get that um excess we don't get the people coming here to write themselves off or drink till midnight and you know it's very rare we trade that late anyway um i'm probably again unpopular in that i wouldn't mind if we were you know going back to six o'clock closing on a sunday although the six o'clock skull was never a particularly good thing sending really drunk people home to their significant others um on that note though what do you think is you know the biggest challenge from a health perspective, um, when you've got environments like this where you've got something that is a drug ostensibly that does have negative you know, effects on your health when you do it to excess, um, what's the biggest challenge for society in general when it comes to this stuff?
0: I think we see that there are a lot of approaches to this. Mm. You can have a, a top-down controlling Way of dealing with things, yeah. and you can have a no rules, everything goes, mm. and we can see because we've got the benefit of, of many competing systems in the world. Or you can have a look. You can have a look at the social credit score in in China, yeah. and you can see that they've got one way of dealing with public licentiousness Mm. and then you can go to Somalia, the ultimate libertarian paradise and see how they deal with it. I've never been to China or Somalia. I doubt that's going to change in the near future. No. I think my personal thought is I like, as a doctor and as a business owner, I like to deal with the people who want to deal with me.
1: So there's got to be a bit of
0: alignment there. So the people that see me, as a patient, Mm -hmm. generally are quite aligned to my way of thinking. One of the ways I've used social media is to start that conversation outside of my premises. It was very important to me that my front of house staff are treated very, very well. They're Mm -hmm. the face of the business. They're valued employees. Mm -hmm. They're friends. They're colleagues. Mm -hmm. And their job is not to wear things yeah, in the waiting a bad
1: room. Day. Yeah.
0: People often will will not go in and, and sound off at the doctor, but they'll sound off at the staff. Uh-huh. And so one of the things you, you can Google my name mm. and you will come up with the, the website, the blog, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, the mm-hmm. Twitter and so on. It does not take very much to see that I'm not a big fan of prescribing narcotics.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not a big fan of prescribing benzodiazepines, mm-hmm. valium and yeah. sleeping medications. I have some ideas mm-hmm. on diet and alcohol and some other things. And the people that don't agree with those things see that and they don't come in. Yeah, that makes sense. And they can go and see someone else. Yeah. There are plenty of people who will deal with people who think differently to me. It's not like they're not served. Mm. But the people who read what I say and what I think, and they think, you know, what I can work with that. That's something mm-hmm. that resonates with me. Brilliant. Come on in. Let's let's have a conversation. So that's how I would deal with it. I, I don't have a one size fits all strategy mm. for everyone. A grand unifying theory of everything. Yeah. I think for every person like yourself who runs, from what I can see, a fantastic establishment. I've been here a couple of times. It certainly does stick out from the run of the mill. Um, pubs does even sitting down here for 20 minutes today you can hear people having conversations mm. the music isn't too loud yeah. the staff here have always been super engaging it, yeah. it is it's an awesome little oasis of a place to be but we can walk you know down 10 minutes in any direction <laughs> and find something very different yeah, and exactly. those value offerings will be consumed by different people. other
1: people yeah and I think that raises a really good point it, you know a, a medical practice no different to any other business mm. you have your own niches as well whether it just because it has general practice as the term mm. you still we all as business owners end up doing work with the clients or patients that we are meant to be working with like Mm. if we're clever we get you know clarity around messaging Uh, we tell our stories very well well on our digital channels so that we appeal to the right people Mm -hmm. um what do you wish someone had told you in your first year of business? So let's just forget that it's medical practice. You guys are bound by a lot more rules than the average bear. Yeah. are. Um, but, you know, what, what one piece of advice do you wish someone had given you in your first year that would have saved you a lot of angst and headache?
0: When I graduated from university, I really wanted to work. I think some people just... They want to study. They want mm-hmm. to be the eternal student. I did my medical degree so that I could work. That was my gig. And so I, I moved from being a junior medical officer through to a fully qualified doctor and then almost immediately essentially went as a sole trader. Mm-hmm. So I've been a, a sole trader for 17 and a half years now. Wow. So... Even from day dot, I was a business of one. And mm-hmm. I sort of scaled that to the, the current day where I don't have to do all the work myself. Yeah, nice. And I can work on the business rather than in the business. Yeah. But one thing that, that I've thought so many times, I wish someone had just gone back and said, yeah, probably should pay a bit of attention. Is learn to type.
1: Yeah, okay. Learning yeah. to
0: touch type would have been such a weapons grade part of a talent stack yeah it would have paid for itself and it's it's quite hard to sort of develop that motor skill in retrospect I've got yeah. a modified hunt and peck technique yeah, now that's kind of mine <laughs> I can type I can you know get about 50 60 words yeah. a minute I see that the guys coming through and, 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 uh, you know, female doctors as well. 50% of our doctors are female and they can touch type. So they can talk to the, the client at the, the same the, time. The, the yeah. Client. Prostitutes have clients. <laughs> patients, but yeah. you know, they can, they can talk to you and, and touch type at the same time. Yeah. Whereas I, I can't do that. So that, that would have been a great, great addition. It
1: would speed up your consults, wouldn't it? Being able to take medical notes and speak to the patient.
0: All the technology we have. Mm. We, we still have not found a great solution in the general practice space of getting the info into the computer. Ah, and it's okay. it's a, yeah. a bugbear of mine as I move forwards that you're almost having a little bit of conversation with the computer when you really want to be having conversation with the person who's paying for you to, you know, have a chat oh, with them. Yeah. And we don't do that in any other sphere of endeavor. We don't mm. have one-to-ones in BNI. We don't have personal meetings we don't do all these other things with the the technology sort of intruding that much yeah that we're not typing sense. this up mm. you know we can we've got this recorded we mm. can live transcribe it on rev.com yeah like they're absolutely. not sponsoring me by the way or no, you no, know something yeah. like that but the, the the medical consultation that's that's the next frontier as far as it really I'm concerned. is
1: isn't it it's definitely a business opportunity there mm. and i suppose some unique challenges in terms of interfacing with um what is highly confidential information mm-hmm. that needs to go into the places that it needs to go. Yeah, I think it. the legal sphere is probably this another industry that has those same challenges because often, um, and we do it, funnily enough, we do a lot of work in legal and a lot of work in medical, uh, and they both have really unique guidelines so you know you guys are bound by your apra guidelines mm-hmm. you go you jump on an airplane not well not these days but let's go to the states if you're in america and you're adopting you say whatever the hell you want on social media pretty much
0: you well, know yeah so some some people some people think that you know without you know sort of derailing the whole topic you mm. know they're, they're shouting fire in a crowded theater quite a bit yeah and i think one of the things I've always thought, especially when dealing with, with opera, is you get a lot of free kicks in medicine. Yeah. There are the, someone could come into your room and you can have a deep, meaningful conversation with them inside of 60 seconds mm-hmm. with stuff that they've never told anyone before. Yeah, there do. are things that happen in a consultation that you would be arrested for if you did it out on the street. Mm. So to borrow from the comics, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, nice. And you need to be aware of that. And if you're running around, you know, sort of sounding off on every given topic without an awareness of how that's going to come across, you will come to the
1: uh, attention of opera.
0: opera. And, you know, people have done that. I think Mm. one guy got on various uh, sort of uh, Usenet or or some sort of forum and Mm. was sounding off about this, that and the other and then found that his medical licensing sort of disappeared. Yes,
1: I seem to remember that story.
0: Regardless of what this bloke said, Mm. you know, it all sounded ridiculous to me, but whatever he said, the prime bit of stupidity for me was the absolute lack of insight that made him think Mm. that he could sound off on these controversial topics without fear of reprisal. Yeah. That that was the, the bit of professional... Uh, silliness yeah, yeah.
1: well the, but the, I suppose that's also um indicative of a very ego driven human being who um thankfully they're not to go back to what you have saying before they're not the kinds of people that tend to stay in my world very long um yes. we like the people that you know can let other people have oxygen too it's always a good thing um so I guess what is the biggest challenge then for you or the biggest opportunity, do you think, um, in your uh, industry uh, when it comes to digital channels and storytelling? I think
0: I saw a little social media graphic and it was saying what's, what's been the big thing for electronic Advancement in mm-hmm. your industry and, and people are like, well, it was my CIO, it was our business plan, it was that. And then there was a big wrecking ball with COVID 19 on it. it. was like, <laughs> yeah, that did it. <laughs> the amount of paper and let's be frank, just absolute busy work and BS that infests my profession is mm-hmm. huge. And uh, I, I've been hearing this, this yakking for many moons, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then all of a sudden, bang, February. Telehealth is here. You like can magic, consult over yeah. the phone. You can consult over video. Uh, we, um, You will you be familiar with these little bits of paper with your prescriptions on it. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's going electronic if yeah. it hasn't already. There were various sort of legal issues with, with transmitting scripts and other mm. things. I've lost count of the amount of people that complained to me in the medical sphere about email being not a secure method of communication i know it i know it's like a postcard i know it's it's like putting your stuff no one cares no one cares. people value speed over security in this instance yeah and so we've done that and we see now that we've got you know sort of token prescriptions um, you should be able to very very soon we can just push a prescription to your phone yeah to to your pharmacist all of that stuff is, is moving forwards. There's That's some challenges amazing. with that, but it's, it's a lot better than it was nine months ago.
1: Mm, absolutely. And, you know, like I think, God, it sounds, sounds ridiculous to me now, but, you know, being a single parent, two young kids, running three businesses... Um, and trying to get to the GP to get a script for a contraceptive pill because I'd not paid attention to all the things that I needed to do and, and it effectively ran out and I really needed to fill it within two days. And I ended up like I had to call a locum out <laughs> at like 9 o'clock at night and go, I'm really sorry. I know there are actually sick people that you should be seeing, but I don't have any other way to sort this out. So if you can come and issue me a script and like take my blood pressure, that would be great.
0: It's a, it's a big issue. I'm, yeah. I'm not a super big fan of the, the locum service for mm. various reasons. However, they fill a need yeah. and. It might not be so much a medical need, mm. but a, an organisational need. Yeah. And the the scenario you've outlined is, is just one of those. Mm. I think one of the things that will change is why did we ever think it was a good idea to troop you across town to wait in a, an enclosed area with mm. other people with coughs, sniffles and other infective yeah. diseases and park you there for 30 minutes plus yeah. to have an interaction with which large parts of it could have been done without From that physical contact. Yeah. Face-to-face is fantastic. Mm. It provides yeah. you with a lot of bandwidth that yeah. you don't get over Zoom. I find Zoom tends to rectify things. It yeah. cuts out the, even the, the ups and the downs mm. of, of vocal modulation. Yeah. But yeah, it's, we, we will improve. At the end of this, we will have a better service offering and a better product than we did at the start.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think that's a really good spot to end. Nick, thanks very much for joining me. And uh, yeah, hopefully I get to talk to you again sometime on the show.
0: Absolute pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Seriously Social. Check our website for the latest news, show notes, and for details about Simone's latest book, Confident Networker.